Welcome, everyone. I'm Sandra Bargeman. A few years ago, I wrote and performed a solo show called The Edge of Every Day, which was an exploration of the rough edges and contradictions we all face and grapple with. The show hit a nerve, and the relevance of the topic would only grow over time more than I could have foreseen. So, here we are. Real talk with real people, sharing stories and perspectives that spark provocative invitations to leap out of what's safe, on the edge of every day. Thanks for listening. Hello, everyone. We are live in the hive. Thank you for joining me on this, the ninth episode of The Edge of Every Day, here on talkradio.nyc. And Happy New Year! Happy New Year! <laughs> Happy New Year! After a brief holiday hiatus, we are back on the edge with courageous conversations, and we are recharged to face what awaits us in 2022, hopefully. For those of you who are tuning in for the first time, and for those of you who don't know me yet, I encourage you to check out my bio on talkradio.nyc. Of course, you can visit my website, sandrabargeman.com, or you can tune into any of my previous episodes. In a nutshell, this show is about celebrating triumphs, pushing boundaries, and exploring rough edges. Through courageous conversations and shared stories with friends and colleagues, it's my hope that we can begin to understand our edges. And what I mean by edges is those places where we're fearful, those places where we are resistant to change, those places where paradoxes and contradictions live in our beliefs and our understandings, both internally and collectively in the world around us, those places we don't want to look at. <laughs> we live in challenging times, but we must come to understand that life isn't black or white. It's an embrace of both. And the more we recognize our own edges and get real about them, the more we can help others to do the same. And that, I fully believe, can help to change the world. So thanks for tuning in. And without further ado, it is time for me to introduce our guest this evening. Dr. Jane Galloway is a visionary leader, ordained pastor and doctor of ministry, professional recovery educator, author, and accomplished stage and screen actor. She is dedicated to building community and raising consciousness through art, psychology, spirituality, education, community, urban design, social justice, and critical thinking. She is a compassionate yet dynamic voice for equality and reconciliation in her community and beyond. Her passion is creating bridges between cultures and also connecting people to their own deepest calling. In her groundbreaking book, The Gateways, the Wisdom of 12-Step Spirituality. Dr. Jane presents the 12 Steps of Alcoholics Anonymous squarely in the context of 21st century spirituality with breadth, skill, and sensitivity that helps readers of any faith or of none experience profound spiritual awakening. From California to the urban center of New York City, Jane is a leader redefining spiritual community. She has led communities in NYC and Los Angeles, California, is the founder of TRIBE, an acronym for Transformation, Realization, Inspiration, Belonging, Expression. TRIBE launched in New York City and has expanded as an umbrella for social practice art beyond one city. Jane states she has come to believe that artists are uniquely positioned to speak the world into a new reality. She says, we are all capable of being artists by intention, whatever our profession, creating the conditions for people to transform, first themselves, then the world. Welcome, Jane Galloway. 
right. Thank you. Hey. Happy to be here. I am so thrilled that you have said yes to be on the show. Happy, happy new year. New year. I'm looking at where you are. It's so fantastic. Now that that is your what? Your your salon or my salon, yes. I've chosen to put that up. That is a picture of the plum. This is my transformed garage on my property up in the Catskills, which is where I'm tuning in from. Um, but this is uh, a virtual background. I wanted to put this up because I wanted, yeah, totally. Whoa. But ultimately, I know, isn't it great? But yeah. ultimately, it's a green screen. Um, ultimately, I, um, I'm i going to change some pictures potentially throughout tonight. Um, but ultimately, m- my goal is to do the show from the plum when the weather is better. Uh, I mean, this is literally like another room in my house. Um, but, but its inspiration was to be, uh, a quintessential salon space, um, uh, for intimate gatherings of all kinds. I mean, certainly for small weddings, which is one of the many things I do, and for small house concerts and friends of mine in the cabaret world who may want to come up and sing and perform. But, but, also for a quintessential salon, meaning that it's based on the idea of the salons that started in the 16th and 17th century, where a female would be sort of the hostess, not a male, a female was typically in charge of the salons where, you know, it was started on entertainment, but it really moved into these people coming for deep conversations about that we're doing now in the edge of every day. Uh, about politics, about literature, about social justice, etc. So that was my my hope for this. So well, it's fantastic, and it looks great. Gertrude Stein, of course, is well known for her salon in Paris and having so many, so many fantastic. Yeah, it was about equality for for gender and race, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, that hence the women and really, really pushing, pushing inviting the women into the conversations. Yeah, yeah. So just glorious, which is the focus for our evening. But I, I wanted to ask you, did you do, did you, did you make any resolutions for this year? Is that something you do? You know, I, I, I don't do that. I mean, yeah, I, I don't do. either, but yeah. I, I think I about, really I reflect. Yeah, I'm really, I, I'm very tuned into and have been, I think forever, but much more over the last years, tuned into evolutionary growth. And so I'm always evolving and uh, kind of letting go of what doesn't serve. And I lead a very examined life, self-examined. I love that. So so there isn't a lot of detrius hanging around. Um, <clears throat> I thought I was kind of thinking um, about what, how I would even describe to myself what this last year has been about. And I thought, wow, you know, the art of the edit. The of the edit. <laughs> I love it. That's yeah. great. Yeah. I'm so on board with that. Well, that, you know, I, that totally goes in hand in hand with, I wouldn't say mine is a resolution and I have long given up resolutions too, but I do like, I like you lead an evolved life and I'm constantly, but because it's such a, a collective choice for a new beginning, we've, at least we in the United States, it's this big oomph to reexamine and to reflect. I, I do indeed spend some time and I just resolved this year or this New Year's that the thing that I most want to focus on is not wasting time. As time as time collapses, as time speeds up around us, there's no time to waste. Okay. You know, not that I thought that I was wasting time, but it feels enormous this year that um, that we need we are stepping into this new you know, evolution, a collective evolution. And I just, there's no time to waste. There's no procrastination. There's no time to chit chat slowly. It's about forceful ideas and speaking. So that's interesting. I I would say that I am, I have become newly a fan of wasting time. (laughs) (laughs) Really over the last year and a half, or certainly over the, during the COVID situation. I get that. I did not realize, I mean, I knew it. I kept dreaming, like, I wish I could go to an artist retreat. I wish I could spend and write and work at the, you know, and then suddenly the world imposed one. Yeah. Uh, And so I found myself so intensely creative when I didn't feel the pressure of that outward, outward, there's no time to waste. I have had a sense of urgency Mm. 
were too long for me. Uh, and so my thing, and I built communities and tried to hold things together and raise funds and keep people and to try to, uh, and I realized I completely burned out. I mean, I really did. And burnout is no joke. Yeah. Because I, know. I got it. Yeah. So, so the listening thing, I mean, uh, what I got, because I'm also in, I'm in my studio, which is, uh, used to be a garage as well. With a gorgeous um, painting behind you. That's yeah, one of my paintings. Thank you. So, but what I got was that it was so quiet, mm. and and I could really hear much more. Interesting. I know. I totally, totally get that. I I I have I, this goes to me. That goes hand in hand with productiveness, the urgency, and the productiveness, and and. And, um, and I certainly, I feel as though, I, I'm sure you've always been a deep listener. It's not as if your productiveness didn't have that. And, you know, I certainly have mine. Just paying a deep attention and in the choices that I make moving forward. But, but yeah, I mean, this is not about, my sense of urgency is not about production. It's about, yeah, the- as time collapses, there's a, a stepping out and a stepping forward, particularly for women, that I'm I'm really feeling. So. Well, you gotta. I mean, I remember. You know, I've I've been sober in AA thousands of years. I mean, longer than half of the people even listening to this. But I remember hearing so many brilliant things from people I did not expect to be uh, getting wisdom through. Mm-hmm. And one woman said one time, she said, "Grow or go, baby. Grow or go." And that I have never forgotten ever. That's it. Oh and, boy, uh, I feel, let's that's a human being. That's life on the planet. Yeah. yeah. So that's where the urgency is. So grow. So keeping growing, and then that's where the art of the edit comes in. It takes courage to say, "Is this working?" Totally. Is this working for you know for me for us for this? I mean, just whatever it is, and to really look at it. And I also love the Marie Kondo uh, tidying. Um, thing I really, really got deeply into that this last year. Wonderful of asking because we were prepping to to downsize and move, yeah. and uh, so going through so many things, beautiful things, not junk things that have meant things, but really asking the question: Does this spark joy? Yeah, and I think that's a way of creating more joy on the planet. Hmm. If we surround ourselves with things that spark joy. Indeed. Like my plum sparks joy. Beautiful. Yeah. So I, I, um, we're going to have, for those listening in, this is a little bit different. Two minutes to break already. All right. I know. You and I, we're going to just, we we need four hours. Jane and I need four hours. Okay. So I'm going to close out this session with this quote. So, because it's so made me think of you. Um, uh, recently, I'm sure you know this, this artist and professor Nikki Giovanni. She, um, yeah, poet, gorgeous poet, activist has just, um, you know, professor at Virginia Tech. She just had an article about her in the Times. And the article opens up with this quote. The door is open, Nikki Giovanni told me. And if I'm saying something that you don't like, you can go out the door. Because I'm going to say what I think I should say. And I just was like, ah, I can't wait to read that to Jane when she comes on my show. The gateways, the thresholds. Um yeah, just all of it. Okay, on Great. that note, we're going to take our first break. And when wow. we come back with our guest, Jane Galloway, we're going to talk about her childhood and her her careers. So when we come back, stay tuned. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy. And I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? 
Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. So we're going to pick it up before we jump into, I do want to get to um, how you moved from your flourishing career as an actor into your choice to go into ministry. But I do want to touch on that briefly about your childhood, because, you know, when we talked prior to this, it was such a theme for us. Um, So that's a long conversation, I think, possibly. But go ahead, ask. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah, I mean... um, we talked about childhood and and what uh, and your sense of what you wanted to do and and your relationship with your parents and how supportive or non-supportive they might have been with you as a creative soul as a empath um can you expound a little bit on that well i think the empath part was the part that my certainly my my mother didn't really get but um but that's fine because she was an utter extrovert and a major talent, as was my father. But really, I, I, after our conversation the other day, I realized, wow, I have never been one of these people who died, wanted, couldn't wait to be anything. I wanted to figure out my family because there was a lot of really wild stuff going on. Mm. And uh, I you know, found the, uh, the complete works of Sigmund Freud in my father's apartment when I was eight years old and actually tried to read it. So I thought this could definitely help my family. So, I mean, I, <laughs> so, so I, I, I think um, I wanted to please my, uh, my family. And my mother and father were both performers and quite uh, amazing, masterful performers. And I was more of a, an artist. I mean, I was, I was discovered to have great talent or a lot of talent. I don't know, great talent, but, you know, real gifts as a performer. But mm-hmm. I love art. And it's funny because I remember um, when my mother and stepfather were just married, my stepfather had painted a big dresser, completely high gloss white. And I had this imaginative thing going on. I was seven where I was being the weather person. I don't know if you have to also have seen the before these green screen weather things, but the weather people would draw all over it and then rip a piece of paper off. And yes. I was like, so I was having a dramatic play with this dresser and drawing all over it. And then, and my mother completely freaked out. She, you know, she just thought it was wanton destructiveness that I was drawing on this thing. Now, having said this, that really, I paint and I love, I love color. I love design. I love, so I, I taught preschool uh, and love kids and love helping to put in front of people what is their creative, maybe their creative joy. And it would have been great if something had been moved in front of me that was more appropriate or even some paper put on the front of that dresser. But I really, I, I, you know, so, so, but the thing about leaving my acting career 
um, which I don't think you ever leave an acting career. I mean, I mean I, you it's, know, it's, it's, it's so a part of who you are. Yeah, absolutely. And I have written a one woman piece that I that you were at the first reading of and and is now in another iteration. And so I, about growing up in Jim Crow. So I don't really think I stopped pursuing that as my profession when the AIDS crisis happened mm-hmm. in New York and my friends were dying of AIDS and no one was paying attention except those of us who were going to a memorial service every week. Right. And I couldn't take it. I was, it was just so overwhelming and I wanted to be of service. Yeah. And I began to volunteer or to train to volunteer for hospice at St. Vincent's Hospital, the no longer existent St. Vincent's. Oh, okay. And I met this wonderful uh, Sister Patrice, this little Irish nun who said, then I got a Broadway tour, a show that was coming back to Broadway. And I said to her, I don't know what to do. She said, no, you need to do this play. But she said, you will end up doing this work. And so that really was the beginning. I began to realize that I could help myself grieve, but also I have a gift for being with people in those in-between places. And so I trained and worked in hospice and hospice led to ministry. So that's really what it was. I was doing TV by then and, and, you know, it was louder, faster, funnier, and all of this superficial stuff. And my friends were dying. And I couldn't take it. I mean, maybe, and I guess where maybe that's the empath thing is, I just couldn't take it. I couldn't take it. I wanted to be learning how to be really of service. And Ramdas, you know, Baba Ramdas wrote the book, How Can I Help? Help, yeah. Really ask people, how can I help? And I think that by listening and being present in that way, that was, and so that ended up evolving into ministry. So, and I thought I was going into ministry to be a hospice chaplain. I later learned I was helping old thought forms to evolve away. Indeed. Okay, so back to the childhood and the empath. Did you and 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 did do you feel that you lived out uh, moving forward into performing when you would have preferred and you didn't you couldn't have articulated this as a child, but there was uh, a, a sense of being rewarded. And you and I share a, such a trajectory, a, a similar trajectory. It might have felt a little different to us, but the sense of not being understood by the parents and feeling like you yeah. were the adult and that you could right. read them better than they could read themselves. But did you feel as though there was a re- reward for performing with your that talents was- when they discovered that, that there was a sense of living out a dream and for a parent? I remember the moment because I was in a play. My, my, I was hoping to be a journalist. I was a budding journalist in high school and writing a fashion column. Um, <laughs> and, and my teacher said, did you ever think about being in a play? And I was like, no, I never did. And so he cast me in a play called uh, Dear Ruth, which was an old, uh, I guess, a lot of high school. Anyway, um, I did a part in Dear Ruth. And, um, you know, it was that wonderful feeling of having that big roll of laughter come from the audience. And I don't even know what I did, but, you know, yeah. I have good comic timing. Um, but <laughs> And thus the addiction to comedy. <laughs> oh, boy. I came home from the cast party early because I was just I was actually kind of bored at the party. And I walked in. My mother and father were divorced when I was quite young. And they were, you know, they were they were amicable, finally. But that had taken a lot of years. And I actually heard my mother on the telephone with my father. And she said, Eddie, she's got it. She's really got it, Eddie. That was the moment. It was like that. How how did you feel then? I mean, having been at odds with her and to have that kind of sense of recognition from the one that you were butting heads with. But it was, you know, because I adored my mother, too. I mean, I, I was I butted heads with her. But, you know, she I, I now see her life as so she was so much bigger than any paradigm the 1950s or 60s could give her. I mean, well, that's a show in and of itself. Yeah. Yeah. What I what I would say is that it was really the two of them being on board in a collaborative way. Mm. I, I respected both of them amazingly in terms of talent. And in terms of, you know, I mean, I really wasn't, I love music and I love singing. I'm a great choral singer. I had a lot of anxiety about being a solo singer. So I Mm. marvel at your shows. And I, um, you know, I wasn't really strongly encouraged by either parent to pursue music. And that was interesting. interesting. 
So I saw that. <laughs> I took that uh, in. And, and the fact that they were so unified about this. Now, shortly after that, my father died of a massive coronary, and it really devastated and was a whole other thing. But my mother also really guided me into conservatory, a conservatory program at Webster University. So I, my mother really uh, guided me um, into that. And then when I went to New York, she insisted I study, and I studied with Uta Hagen, and I studied with uh, Anna Sokolov, both of whom terrified me. Oh, my God. I was so scared. But I mean, I, you know, and of course, in school, we had the whole Edith, Edith Skinner method and all the stuff course, that you all yeah. So I love the discipline of it, but I also the psychology of it. Yeah, Actors of course. Understand. So all this stuff I was reading in Freud as a child, here it is. It's the discipline. I think people don't, especially with this instant acting thing with TV now. A lot of people don't understand the incredible discipline of being able to repeat a performance or being able, you know, even at the end of and, doing and, it. And, 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 tell, and do the arc. Yes. Not just one thing. Of the story. Oh, yeah. And be part of the arc. And also just really everyday things like, you know, restore. I mean, you're doing a scene and you restore everything just naturally. That becomes a life skill. Just oh, restoring, yeah. putting things back in order. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, studying acting was wonderful. And, of course, I loved actors. And I, I began to work very early and went to mm-hmm. Europe with the first company. And then, you know, had a show that was quite a hit. When I, I, when I was actually, I was teaching... I was teaching preschool in the village in New York, and I loved it so much. And I was so torn about leaving. It was really crazy because I was in a play that became the longest running off-Broadway play eventually. But it was a huge hit, and it was a surprise to all of us. (laughs) We worked so hard on it, and and yet, you know, here it was. So, um, yeah. So so then I kind of rolled with the profession, and I've tried to – you know, deal with staying on my own ethical center because all kinds of stuff gets flying at you when you become uh, the the toast of the town. (laughs) And a lot of it was stuff I didn't even ethically believe in, doing commercials for things that were just like, oh my God, I don't want to be, have my... So it was an interesting time for me. It was uh, a lot. Well, and and I so, we're so similar in the whole sense of this desire to be present to that and to glean all of the know thyself that is at the heart of being an actor um, and and all in psychology and all of those skills. And yet there's also the portion of the business that doesn't translate into the service element that you clearly, I clearly was always, that right. it shows right. up as boredom, boredom at the party, boredom. And, you know, and I, I don't want to say boredom because I don't want it to be feel like a put down, but indeed it was boredom. And in uh, occasionally and impatience with and, you know, the whole nine yards. So um, I can I can understand and relate to those feelings. And how do I translate all of the when I love I love doing this and I love some of the elements, but I also want to be in service over here. I used to watch people like because I was involved politically, too, during those days because it was, you know, the war thing. And um I, you know, met Jane Fonda and various people who were very active with their acting careers, but also doing political work. And it was at a time when people were really needing to make some kind of statement. I kept thinking, I don't know. I mean, I guess the thing is, I guess the paradigm for all of that is that once you um, once you become an entity, then you can speak out or something. But anyway, yes, but the service element was key. Indeed. And you are a servant leader through and through. And on that note, we are ready for another break. Uh, We will get to your book. Okay. Uh, Hopefully. (laughs) I'll show it to people when we come back. Yeah. yeah, We'll get to your book. And I want to get into the the creation of. Oh, and how we met. We'll talk about that in the creation of tribe. That's a perfect way of how we met. That'll seg wonderfully into tribe and, and sacred stages. And so stay tuned when we come back with Dr. Jane Galloway on the edge of every day. Howdy. 
conversation around racism. Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Chipping around, kick my brain to the ground. These are the days it never Of every day. We are back with Jane Galloway on the edge of every day. So, Jane, how, how let's talk about real quick how we met because it segs in so beautifully into um, your creation of Tribe and my creation of Sacred Stages. Um, so, it's about 10 years ago now. Yeah. 11 is. years ago. Right. Amazing. And, and it was through Jack, correct? I think so. Uh, it was on Facebook, and bo- we were both friends with Jack Kafari. And yeah. hi, yeah. Jack, if you're listening in. Hi. We're thinking about you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and he said to both of us, knowing us what, both well, right. he, you, you two need to know each other. You are like on the same trajectory. It's a must. And we reached out to each other, and lo and behold, and then I reached out to you. I was in need of a new apartment. And you hooked me up with um, an apartment that was being renovated in your building in Harlem. And Jane had been working and living and making great waves in Harlem. And she brought me into the building. And boom, 10 days later, I moved in and we were neighbors. It's so great. It was glorious. Yeah, and great. And you're still there. You still have the I'm apartment. still there. I'm still yeah. in that building. And yeah. I adore it. Not in the exact same part, apartment, but... Uh, no, no. I, yeah, you moved across the hall. It's yeah. still up a lot of stairs. Here's my book, The Gateways, The Wisdom of 12-Step Spirituality. And, um, you know, you can get it on Amazon. I, I think Jack actually is part of that, too, because he wrote a wonderful blurb for it. Oh, great. Isn't that great? Yeah. Really, the idea was um, that a, the, a, a member of the spiritual community that I and some others <clears throat> birthed out of the ashes of a previous experience um, said to me one day, you know, you can teach so many things. I never knew there's there a little shade in this comment, but that's OK. <laughs> you know, you we, can- we have edge here. It's called the edge of every day. You can teach so many things. We want to know what works for you. And so I was like, oh, well, that's easy. It's the 12 steps plus all of these other psycho-spiritual things I've done all these years, including the Jesus path. And she said, write that. We need that. So I began, it began to write me. And, Mm, uh, you know, I made it very technicolored and beautiful and showing a lot of yeah, I purchased one when you came when it yeah, came out. I was just showing the folks. The, yes, of course. I mean, I tried to make it kind of you know. I, I, this is a journey that transcends. I think it's really a great journey, um, um, a, a ladder uh, for transformation, and it's one one tool, and it does not use uh, language of the patriarchy, which I think is ever present in so many things. You know, bell hooks just made her transition. 
yes. who made such an impact on me. And she talked, mm. I wrote this down and have it here. She said, you know, what it's what we really are needing to, to move out of primacy is the imperialist, white supremacist, capitalist patriarchy. And um, so I would say, really, my, my desire to write this book had to do with, you know, there's a much gentler and more evolutionary way to do, to do growth not a punitive way that replicates the punitive family system. Well, well, and that's one of the great things that I love about your, you know, that those of us who pull the mystical essence from the traditions and that you've woven so beautifully in your book, um, that, that it's not the, um, it is the more, it is the more, um, unified feminine and, and loving each of the, each of the traditions, um, you know, not the punitive, not some God screaming and yelling and, and patriarchal understanding of that was, you know, if we're going to understand our place in history, where it arose, where each of these traditions arose in history, we, we understand why they had that then, but, but, what you've pulled out and what I've pulled out and what hopefully people who read your book are going to pull out is that there, there's a more mystical understanding, including the 12 steps. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, the thing is also there's not I think a, a people who become addicted. I mean, the society is so addicted are unbelievably creative. Oh, Lord. Yeah. Unbelievably well, this is, this is what I was talking about, wanting the, 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 the combo, cool. the triangle of addiction with creativity and, and artistry and, and spirituality and right. j- just those connections. It just turns on you at a certain point sometimes. And if it does, then there are ways to go deeper into the spirituality and realize, oh, and they say in that program, uh, you know, we were searching for spirit, capital S, through spirits, small s. I look like I'm doing sign language here for some <laughs> Works for me. Well, yeah. I think I have a song about that. They don't call it spirits for nothing. Oh, Remember it. that too? Yeah, yeah. I do. I yeah do. that I wrote. You can find on YouTube, everyone. They don't call it yeah. spirits for nothing. And it pokes fun at that whole, you know, a little gin to go within, some holy water to absolve you of your sin. You know, th- this relationship of, of spirits with spirit and with, you know, and our understanding as actors and artists the connection with spirit as well right and you know the pulling of the understanding the depth at the at the center of those as i always say know thyself the greek maxim know thyself that's That's at the heart of you you only say a little bit about tribe i do want you to say something about i I just want to say that i'm I'm so grateful to the people who were part of uh sanctuary nyc who really helped me birth this idea um, and, and, and part of it had to do with really trying to figure out, okay, what does, what does a, a community of spirit do without all of the doctrine? Because I find doctrine mm. and duality and all this to be so death dealing. Well, you that- can't create community with that. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, well, well, the way community is created through that is through rules and and the, one leader, yeah, you know, uh, somebody who's at the center of all that, not a servant leader. No, somebody, yeah, the right. group serves the leader, not the other way around. So it was really about uh, exploring the sacred role of the artist. I have really understood this for years mm-hmm. um, through some a lot of reading and stuff. And, uh, and really understanding that to be what the transformational art is, creating catharsis. The Greeks created catharsis and, for the audience to have an aha moment and heal. And this is what we need now. So, or, so anyway, it's transformation, realization, inspiration, belonging, expression, a community, an umbrella under which um, all of those things can happen. So it's a kind of a free-floating idea. And I'm just, I'm grateful for the idea of it. I'm also... Um, almost completely through a coaching program at the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. And this really pulls together all of my stuff because I think the body, mind, spirit, I was very uh, strong on the mind and spirit part and always pursuing these body things. This, this institute is fantastic. Great. And it really, so yeah, so, so that all goes together with tribe and really it's, it's an idea more than a place. Yes. 
Excellent. Yeah. It's like sacred stages, my sacred stages. Right. So, so tell, talk about sacred stages. Well, just real quickly, um, you know, and I, I want to read, uh, I'll talk about sacred stages, but, but what I would, if we have any time left in this break, but I want to focus on this because it so supports what you, you mentioned this on your website, you know, I scoured your website in, in preparation for this. And you, of course, we've had conversations about this, but I didn't know that you had referenced it on your website. And I love it because it's my, one of my favorite books too, The Way of the Actor by Brian Bates. And this is what, what, what his, in the synopsis. For thousands of years in traditional societies around the world, actors were seen as the guardians of intuitive wisdom, and the way of the actor was a path to knowledge and power. Brian Bates believes that this is still the case today, that actors fulfill an important function in our culture as modern-day seers and shamans. That's it. And that was what I reconnect. That was a favorite book, of course, that I had in conservatory and really fed, really came to me when I was getting the idea when I was in seminary for sacred stages. So you so, had that in conservatory that you were exposed to that idea? That's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. And, well, and of course, I went through <laughs> self-help <laughs> section. Well, you know, I don't know that everyone was walking around going, oh, I'm a shaman. I was, but, yeah. um, <laughs> but, but, well, but yeah, I I, we did get that book in, in conservative. Oh, oh, it's cool. It's cool. Uh, it's fantastic. And I reconnected to it and all of the roots of spirituality and how they connect with, with, um, the roots of acting in, you know, ancient Greek days and, and it was believe that they were channeling the gods and the goddesses. And this, this made great sense to me when I was th- trying to figure out, as I'm studying all these great world traditions, and I've all my life loved going to, uh, I was a part of the Christian church, but I came walked away from the organized religion when I was in high school. I mean, I just got that it wasn't for me. I loved the foundation. I loved Jesus. I loved the teachings. I loved the music, the ritual, the costuming. Uh, you know, it was theater. Right. Um, and uh, and I love all and I loved going to other uh, churches and um, and I loved I was attracted to other cultures in a way that was not a part of my family. I was very open to that. So anyway, long story short, I'm in um, seminary and where am I going to go to have an expansive experience uh, if I'm not a part of any organized religion? This was really uh, something I needed to take a look at. And of, uh, of course, I was very into earth-based traditions, and I still am, and I can go out into nature, but where am I going to build community? And I had this flash of the stage as an altar. And that theater was was my church. And so that's where the idea for Sacred Stages was born, um, where I, I use my performing and and the understanding of actor as shaman to do my version of preaching, my version of speaking. Um, it was a way for me to find a place for community. And this is such a great place. Uh, we're going to have to take a break. But I so what you and I have talked about community and you talk on your, um, you know, and I've built my salon to explore community. You talk about redefining community on your website and I loved the notion of redefining what, what community is. And I'd like for us to spend some time, if we can, in our next break, uh, or our next section, our last section. And, and then I want to get into what we are potentially creating. So that's what we're going to focus on when we come back from our break with Dr. Jane Galloway on The Edge of Every Day. Join us every Tuesday at 4pm Eastern for the Mind Behind Leadership, where we focus on what leadership really means to us and to others. We have practical discussions with the CEOs of some of the world's largest companies, owners of small businesses, and experts in psychology and behavior to get that inside track, what to do, what to avoid, and what really happens. Join me, Graham Dobbin, at the new time, 4pm, every Tuesday for the Mind Behind Leadership, here live on talkradio.nyc. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. 
each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. Calling all pet lovers. Pet Avengers, assemble! On the Professionals and Animal Lovers show, we believe the bond between animal lovers is incredibly strong. It mirrors that bond between pets and their owners. Through this program, we come together to learn, educate, and advocate. Join us live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. at talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Chipping around, kick my brain to the ground. These are the days it never rains. But it falls on the, on the edge of of every day, and we are back with Dr. Jane Galloway. I hope everyone is. I am enjoying this new tweaked format. Uh, I hope every those of you who have been paying it, who have uh, been listened to more than one episode, we've tweaked a little. Jane and I are doing more of a back and forth rather than me just sim- completely just interviewing her. And I am loving this woman. And you have got to come back. Um, that's for sure for sure okay so let's talk about community um you and i've talked about this in the past and you know this whole sense of the plum wanting to build community always wanting to build community and what i love about theater is that it's it's a, a a fantastic sense of community when you're doing a show and everyone comes together with this vision and relates to creating it and moving the idea forward um, in in service to this vision and this what we are, this beautiful thing that we are birthing. Um, but, and I say that I want to create, I wanted to create community with sacred stages. I don't know how successful I was. And you and I have talked about that. Um, and I can elaborate a little bit more on that after you talk about. Um, I'd like to hear what community is for you. What does that mean? How does community make you feel? What's redefining community? All of that. Yeah, I mean, I I really relate to that, that feeling. I, I have said to so many people, you know, when you come together to do a play, uh, you really are. It's like going, I don't like the concept of war, but it's like going to battle together. I mean, you are absolutely, you have the bonding and you go so deep into the experience. And, and then and in two seconds flat. And, and then, you know, you, it, everybody depends on everybody else. I mean, there is no kind of like, oh, well, I'll just watch you do it. No. So it's the equal investment. But the great part is, and I've had several long, long running shows, but they all end eventually. (laughs) Good. And part of the thing about religion that I discovered was that, you know, it just goes on and on and on. And so the the patriarchy and the bishops and all this kind of no matter where you go, it's it's all got that structure and that's not the part that i of community that i want to bring forth my best friends are still actors mm. i mean and writers and creative people yeah. but really actors people i've worked with and and um i so i would uh, have to say the same for me yeah i would say i have been I, this image keeps popping up so i'll say it quickly i don't i remember when i was little at my grandmother's house i somehow found these little brown discs with a hole in them there were wood and i said oh let's start a club and so i had these and we got things to put through them to wear around our neck and my friend jigs o'toole who was like my neighbor who was oh, oh my god what a great name mean but you know other kids there were like four of us and i was like okay let's do our club and the thing was I could not, I was, it was really like herding cats. And so I always think of that thing when I think of some of the spiritual communities too, that because creative free expression is so important to me, but the discipline we learn in the theater makes the theater work. 
Yeah. And in spiritual communities, I, I mean, you know, it is fluid it, to a point of insanity. Well, and everybody's got different ideas of what, why they're doing or what they're doing. And I'm not interested. My thing is really a dedication to what we know can be this point of transformation. So I, you know, what occurred to me as you were describing all this earlier was just um, the idea of maybe I have run into a thing through all of my years in the theater and I've had some wonderful successes on Broadway, off Broadway, TV, film, all of that. But many actors say, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm not a teacher. Don't use this to teach. And playwrights will say it's a little too teachy. I think there's something in really talking maybe on a forum, some forum with artists about teasing out this sacred role mm. because a lot of I, I think we're in such a new time oh absolutely as a world and, 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 I, and I think plenty of people who would love to step out of the ego of it and into more of that that I think that they would really really jump on that idea as a put to, to yank them out of you know all of the things that we discovered that bored us um that that made us feel as though we wanted to reach to something else that happened. and also as a woman i mean i think that part of the thing i know because we're both women and i certainly the role they went on tv <laughs> i played one on tv too <laughs> many times and some of the parts <laughs> uh here's the thing these these stereotypes and you know i mean you know me too uh, doesn't even scratch the surface i mean the whole industry is one that uh, really uh, is, you know, about power and control, really. So all of these creative people are part of that. And then um, how do we how do we lose that in the process? I, I think I think the thing of really, really, you asked earlier about why did I leave the theater? Part of it was I was so bored with the roles I started to get. The minute I turned 40, I was like, what is this? Yeah. I mean, they were laughable stereotypes of some guy's idea of what a woman was. And it was Have really seen that Gina, um, Gina, what, um, league of her own Gina Davis. She's oh, oh, got an yeah. Institute. She has a documentary about this. She What's does and she, very much on her. Yeah. Very much. Oh on my her. gosh. It's Gina Davis is, yeah. shockingly informative head on right yeah so that the thing is i wanted to experience life and i have really experienced life i i have learned and i i hate to draw a binary comparison like this but what i have learned is that the generosity and real sense of mission of most actors and theater artists i know is greater than ministers i have met Fascinating. I, get and I it. don't think the context feeds it. I think there is uh, somehow whatever it is, ministers, and I mean, r ranging from very traditional to interfaith to, you know, all kinds of very free forms. I completely not that agree sense of with you. The mission of coming together to do this sacred thing together. There's still uh, something that there's so, so that doesn't interest me anymore that kind of form. But what interests me is these amazing people who are still doing this. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think, I think, yes, I agree with you that everybody, so many people I know in the theater would, I think, love to they would have jump this, on this jump. Absolutely. This jump on it. Ego and competitive to, well, to pull, to, 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 to reconnect them. If they've lost it to the nobility of it, to the spirituality yeah. of it, you know, it is, it's, uh, and to, and indeed tease it out of the the circus that it can be in today's world. Um, yeah. you know. Anyway, right. I want to segue away from that. That's a great idea. I think we should definitely talk, talk about that fairly. But but uh, what, with what time we have left, I want to talk about where are we going. What's the future holding? What is the future holding for you in general? How do you hope to address it? What's next for you? What are you envisioning? You well, I, as I said, I did pull out my uh, this one woman piece uh, I, I wrote, and it's really about growing up in Jim Crow, kind of with a voice of scout, you know, in uh, To Kill a Mockingbird, kind of observing all this. I began writing about St. Louis from that perspective a number of years ago. 
And when I developed the piece, I, I, I jumped into it after Ferguson happened. Yeah. And I wrote and wrote and wrote, and it got way too, it, I needed I loved to- your blog on this. Talk about a little bit around that, you know, because it's so about women's issues right now and women being honest and women's voice and AKA their truth, your truth. Talk about what you said about asking for too much input and having it okay. go in a direction that maybe. Right. I read, I read a wonderful book by Brenda Euland and I recommend it if you want to write. And in it, she says, be careful who you show your work to. And I, um, I became a bit insecure about the work. Now I want to kind of, I've had some thoughts beyond that blog actually, because I, I was, I was directed in a whole other way and, um, and I really had to defend my own idea. And I lost interest. I lost the through line, I thought. Yeah. I pulled it together. I put it in there. I felt it was important to talk about it. It was really a cautionary tale, this piece initially, trying to say, people, this is what's going on now, weirdly. When I okay, went just, back just to, to let you know, we're at three minutes. Okay, when I went back to it, I realized, wait a minute, there's a through line in there. And, and I needed to let it gestate. Yeah. And so I tweaked it somewhat. But the stuff that I was told to remove was right to remove. Mm. So I, I mean, I went back to it the other day or a couple of weeks ago. I've shared it now with a director I've worked with, someone I love who's so smart. And I, I'm going to be very careful. Who My whole idea, back to servant leadership, is this. I think it's important for people to understand that even our dearest loves, I tell something that my father said when I was a child that absolutely shocked me, that doesn't paint him in a great light. He, he becomes a hero again later. But mm. I mean, <laughs> I think we have to learn from personal stories what living in white supremacy is like for all of us. Yes. And really yeah. understand what has happened and that more than critical race theory or whatever has been hijacked in order to, I mean, that's a college class and something. Right. And, 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 and quite frankly that, yeah, it's a different, uh, different animal and a different story. We need um, stories. We need to understand that it's been a mystery and we, we do, have been, we do. We have and we need to understanding it willfully. There's a Absolutely. reason. And we need to come to an end and clearly we have to come back and focus. Start our conversation there. Okay. And by the next time you come back, you will have done. You will have maybe written more. Anyway, it's um, Jane. You can find Jane Galloway. JaneGalloway dot com. You can find Jane's book on Amazon, or you can get to your local uh, bookstore and order it. You can order um, it. And it's the gateways, the wisdom of twelve step spirituality. It's pretty. It's fantastic. You can find me at sandrabargeman.com, and I'm going to leave us with a little poem from Christopher Logue. Come to the edge. We might fall. Come to the edge. It's too high. Come to the edge. And they came, and he pushed, and they flew. Jane Galloway, thank you so, so much. Well, I can't you. wait to have you back. We're going to schedule it ASAP. Can't wait to and come. just, yeah. And we've got lots to talk about. I'll talk with you afterwards. Great. I want to thank everyone uh, for listening in. Thank you for being here on the edge of every day. Thank you so much for joining us. Remember next Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Happy New Year. We're always at the edge of the miraculous. Good night, everyone. Thanks again, Jane Galloway. Thank you. This is our last dance. This is our last dance. This is ourselves. Under pressure. Under pressure. Under pressure. Uplift, educate, empower.
Do you run or are ready to open your own business? Hi, I'm Jeremiah Fox. I've been operating and opening small business for the last 25 years, and I'm the host of the new show, The Entrepreneurial Web. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern time for insights and stories on the nuances of running small business right here on Fridays at noon, talkradio.nyc. Have you ever thought of reinventing yourself? Are you looking to create a new life's journey? Hi, I'm Kevin Barbro, host of Coffee Talk XL every Tuesday night, 5, 8 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live to hear me and my guests from a variety of different backgrounds. As a former college coach and a current full-time actor and owner of multiple companies, my show is as eclectic as my life. That's Coffee Talk XL every Tuesday night, 8 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. uninformed about menopause and how it impacts on your life? Hi, I'm Pat Duckworth, women's health strategist and host of the Hot Women Rock radio show, empowering women leaders at menopause. Join me every Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. UK Time on talkradio.nyc for interviews with inspirational women who will share their top tips to rock your world. COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. 